0: Matthew 17. If you'll stand with me for the reading of God's Word, we're going to read verses 24 through 27. Matthew 17, 24 through 27, reading out of the King James Version this morning. Some people said the one Paul preached out of, you know, it's a joke. Verse 24. And when they were come to Capernaum, they that received tribute or the tax collectors came to Peter and said, does your master pay tribute? And what they were referring to is every Israelite male from 20 years old and up paid a tribute tax, if you will, for the maintenance of the temple. And on average, it was the salary of an average worker for two days. And so they were always trying to find occasion to denounce Jesus to bring shame because someone that didn't pay tribute was pulling away from the Hebrew relationship with the Lord. And they asked Simon Peter, does your master pay tribute? And he said, well, yes. And when he was coming to the house, Jesus prevented him, which means before Simon could tell him about the conversation, Jesus said, what thinkest thou, Simon, of whom do the kings of the earth take custom or tribute, of their own children or of strangers? Peter said unto him, well, of strangers. Jesus said unto him, then, then are the children free, or then are the children free. Now, pause right there. I'll give you this very quickly, and I'll let you sit down. Um, They had already heard the voice from heaven speak over Jesus or God speak from heaven. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. So by Simon saying, well, in a kingdom, the children of the king don't pay the king because they're children of the king and that the tax comes in, not out. And Jesus was telling him and just layering his truth taught upon his heart that I'm the son of God. I don't. I don't pay temple tax. I am the temple. You're going to reside in me. But anyway, notwithstanding, lest we should offend them, go out into the sea and cast a hook and take up the fish that first cometh up. And when you open his mouth, you'll find a piece of money that take and give unto them for me and thee. You may be seated this morning. This passage is rich with Hebrew influence. It's rich with custom. It's rich with uh, the pulling out of Jesus being more and more not just rabbi, but the master of rabbis. This has to do also with God pronouncing in a unique unmistakable way that he's perfect, that he has perfect control. He has perfect timing. He's perfect. He upholds all things by the word of his power. And I want to just touch on this and then give you the four points this morning. I won't keep you long, but what are the odds to pay the temple tax for Jesus to say, Go to the Sea of Galilee. Pick a place, any place. Throw out a line with a hook on it. And the first fish that you catch, the first one, pull that one up. This fish has swallowed a coin. Or not swallowed, it. coin's in its mouth, is what it says. And it just take the coin out of its mouth and go pay the tax. If you were Simon Peter and you just heard this discourse, you were like, What? Go, 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 get, get, get. What was the journey like? Kelly, would you go for me? What was the journey like for Simon to walk this out? Y'all don't worry, she's not in trouble. I'm not in trouble, that's the most important thing. I'm not in trouble, she's just gonna help me with something in a moment. What are the odds? I I want you uh, just to pan away from the passage and follow this train of thought. What are the odds That Simon would go to the Sea of Galilee, throw in a line, pull up a fish, and the fish have a coin that was the exact amount that they were supposed to pay for temple tax. Some of you today are facing incredible odds in your family. You're facing incredible odds in your physical body. There's some of us in this room by odds that... We are facing emotional odds. We feel the very fabric of who we are coming apart. Some of us are facing spiritual odds. And I want you to know this morning, or I want to speak to that part of you, that weakness, and strengthen it with the word of God. Don't you let the odds intimidate you. God is not concerned with odds, He acts, He rules. God. Let me pray for us this morning. Lord, I just pray that this morning's message would be with clarity and power and anointed, that it would go into the hearts of the hearers and it would bring forth change, life, and light. Be strong in our midst though, Lord. Let this word renew us and let us leave. Just like last week where we said the beauty of the morning is that it always comes. May we leave this week not being intimidated by the odds ever again. And may we be people who we're better at seeing you than we are calculating the odds in our life. And I thank you for it, Lord, in Christ's name, amen. Number one, don't let the odds intimidate you because God has perfect knowledge. If you're taking notes, write this down. God has perfect knowledge. Simon Peter is having a talk with the tax collectors for the temple. And when he walks in the house, before he says anything, Jesus prevented him, which meant he started the conversation about temple tax. Why does God record these things in the word like this? Is it for historical reference only? No, these things were written aforetime for our learning and that we would have comfort in the scriptures. Jesus who had said if you've seen me you've what You've seen the father. I know Just that phrase. I know I know what you were talking about I know why they were asking you that question They weren't asking to get that small coin. They were trying to find a fence in me and my ministry God has perfect knowledge concerning you He knows this morning the complexities of your situation Sometimes it's not how hard the situation is where we're at. It's how complex it is. Because if I do this, it'll have this adverse reaction. And if I don't do this, it can be misinterpreted this way. When you cross over in your prayer life and you go from explaining to God what is happening, which is updating him because he doesn't know. Lord, I'm glad I got some time to talk to you. You'll never believe what happened here. Well, tell me about it. I wasn't watching, so update me. When we stop telling the Lord about our life and telling him about what we believe about him, we change. Yes, we're to let him know, but it's not because you don't know. I know you have perfect knowledge and I know you're familiar, acquainted and current. One of my favorite verses where it says the hairs of your head are numbered. You've heard me teach this for 19 plus years that they're numbered. Not that he knows how many they are, they're numbered. Why would God want me to know that my hairs are numbered? He wants me to know he's current with me. John, this morning you lost 130 of them. And I can tell you the numbers of them. Number 21, number 62, number 135, number, we don't go past 300 no more, we're running out. But you've lost a lot of them and I want you to know I'm current with you. God knows the scope of your needs, Matthew 6:8. God knows our needs before we ask, the Bible said. And God knows the odds stacked against you and what rate the window of help is closing. In 1924, at a Dallas theological seminary, President Schaeffer had announced to his faculty uh, a foreclosure was pending. It was imminent. Harry Ironside, Harry Ironside, as well as many other wonderful, famous men of God, began to pray that the foreclosure wouldn't happen. It was supposed to happen the next day. And they were at the last moment before the seminary closed in the city and blacked the eye of God. And Harry Ironside said, Lord, your word says that you own the cattle on a thousand hills. Would you sell some cattle for us, oh Lord? And while they were behind closed doors, believe it or not, it's a documented fact, a Texas businessman arrived, after selling two carloads of cattle in Fort Worth and brought the check with him at the exact time they were praying so God didn't respond to their prayer. He was moving before the prayer. Came in, knocked on the door, told the secretary, said, I don't know what you need it for. I don't care what you do with it. But God has bothered me about this so much this week and I've sold the two cattle, two uh, cargoes of cattle and here's the check. Do with it what you want. And the secretary knocked on the door and I'm summarizing this story for you. And the president, you know, we're praying, don't interrupt us. You know, there's that feeling you get around some people and he opened the door and uh, she said, uh, this man just brought this check for you. And it was the amount that they were in debt to behind, behind debt. And the president said, Harry, God sold the cattle. Why do I tell you stories like that? Is it that you're never going to suffer lack or you're never going to suffer want and you're never going to go through seasons? No, it's that God knows. God knows. He's fully aware of your needs and prepares ahead of time the solution to your problems. He knows ahead of time and prepares for the solution of your problems. He knows. And He's already at work for you and on your behalf. But we can't see it because we think that God is like us. And if God were like us and he saw what we saw, he'd be doing something. And we say things like, well, I can't see God doing anything. And here's a word for you this morning. Isaiah 55, eight and nine, God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways. My ways declares the Lord for as the heavens are higher than the earth. So are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. They're not the same. I've communicated things in the word of God to you in a simple way for you to grasp them and you receive them and they change you. But you don't know how I do. This story is about us having our minds short-circuited and our spirit just accepting the fact that God is doing things you cannot see and that you do not understand. Because God is not a grown-up us. He's altogether different. My wife's brought a guest with well, we've got a guest here. She's going to bring him on stage. Y'all welcome my 160-pound boy, my orphan boy, Porkchop. Porkchop, come on up, buddy. All right, y'all got to help me quickly. Who has a checkbook on them? Who has a checkbook? Will you come? Christian, will you bring? Who's got keys to a 2012 car new or newer? Just hurry. Come on up here with your keys. You got to like Spotlight, though, because you're going to be up here. All right, here we Choppers hey buddy that's my big boy chop has a thyroid issue it's just he's he's fat okay all right will you write pork chop a check for me on this checkbook just make it out to pork chop it'll work pork chop okay how generous do you feel oh thousand dollars what's your car 2013 Ultima. Wow, 2013 Ultima. Okay, so let's turn this way so everybody can see us. Okay, Choppers, I want y'all to make your appeal to him. I've done this twice before in 19 years with two different dogs. We did one with Bullet and one with Florence about four. Hey, big boy. These are animal crackers, by the way. He eats them off of our girls, out of their hand, in their hair, off their cheeks. All right. Uh, I want to get a mic for you. Hold on. Wait right there, choppers. And don't do nothing on the stage, please. (laughs) Tell Porkchop what you got him there.
1: I got a $1,000 check for you.
0: Talk Convince If you want
1: some money, I got $1,000. You can buy all the biscuits you want. Would you tear it off and
0: see? Tell him what he can do with it. Chop. Christian, you're not pork real persuasive. I know.
1: Porkchop, look, I got $1,000 right here for you. You can take it. You can go get a steak.
0: Animal crackers. Those cookies
1: are no good. <laughs> just get a big old fat juicy steak and you will be so happy. Here. Here.
0: <laughs> Keep talking. You work it from right over there.
1: Come on, Porkchop. Here. Let me just give you this 1000 bucks. <laughs> here. Look, you can eat it.
0: He'll yeah. smell it. Uh, no a thousand dollars thank you would you give her now tell us about your car and tell us the color and what you like about it and show him the keys you got keys okay Come here, chop. get it close to you the, the, come here port chop come on i got a good car you can what? ride oh that's a good boy and it's silver and it's so cold no that's loving we're, we're talking oh, about a that's car oh, we yes. ain't doing loving
2: you hang your head out the window choppers you want to go for a ride no, come yeah. on, let's go for a ride. You can go for a ride in my car. I'll let you hang your head out the window. It's a new car, Choppers. Come on, come on, boy, Chop. You can slobber all out my window. <laughs> I like doggy slobber.
0: So it ain't yeah. happening. Kelly, you want to take Choppers with you? Sure, I'll take him. Thank y'all for trying very much. Would y'all give them a hand? Sure. Here, bye, buddy. I have to do this because I cry and stick my hands all in my face. All right. All right. Very simple illustration, but some of you, I think you're going to get it here where me and you might not get it just listening. He is not a person. He cannot process value. To him, the check means nothing. To him, the keys means nothing. He understands at a beast level, food. Your pastor tries to get God in my little world to orchestrate things when he's saying you don't even understand what value is. I'm trying to work out an eternal weight of glory for you. And I'm not like you. I can love you, I can hold you, but I'm not a grown-up version of you. In the same way there are differences between animal and man, we are different than God. We're made in His image, but we don't process like Him. And God has perfect knowledge about your life. How does He connect two people who don't know each other and don't know they're being led to meet at a certain place and eventually get married? We aren't capable of understanding how He orchestrates our lives so that we can meet the right person any more than pork chop can process the difference between an animal cracker and the keys to a car. But God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think according to the power, the receptivity of His Word, the understanding, the trust level. And in your prayer life, when you're facing insurmountable odds, you need to come to that idea of God, you know all things. Just that phrase, you know all things. I'm making my decisions based on miss, dis, and inadequate information, but you know the beginning from the end. Well, if he would just explain why to me, then I would understand and give him approval. You know why we ask the Lord, why? So that he can answer us. So then we can put his answer in the courtroom. And decide whether he was just or not in his decisions. And I am. An animal compared to him. Faith says. I don't get it. I see animal crackers. But I trust the one. Holding on to me. And I release this anxiety. This. Fear to you because you're God. Number two, don't let the odds intimidate you because God exercises perfect control. This miracle was recorded to teach you that God has no limitations, no difficulties, and no hindrances. Not just no limitations, listen, no difficulties. If you could measure difficulty in in God, then you could continue to raise that difficulty to the point of impossibility. And God has no difficulty, no hindrances, and no limitations. God allows us to be eyewitnesses to His control in our lives when we follow His instructions. When God told Simon Peter to go to the Sea of Galilee and cast out a hook, that's very limited information. I've got two slides for you I want you to see here on the uh, big screen. The first one, I think, will just be the landmass. Now, those of you that are familiar with maps, you understand that those little dots around the darkened area are villages and cities. The Sea of Galilee is 166 kilometers total mass. And we've got a little clip, an aerial view for you. Uh, Just a few seconds, showing you one corner of the Sea of Galilee. Watch this. Does that give you some perspective? Okay. Grief, go take a poll out there. Where? Go to the city. Where? Left Left side, right side. 166 kilometers in mass. Uh, can you give me a landmark? Can you give me a um, a side, a region, a city? Can you give me some... Lord, can you give me some particulars so I don't just feel like I'm going into nothingness? And God is so great. What He says is pick a place, any place, and my perfect will will find you. Isn't that amazing, perfect control? We worry because we don't think God knows, and we worry because we don't think God is in control. And he put this portion of scripture in the Word of God so you'd understand that it don't matter where you start, God can get you to where He needs to get you, just like He wants to get you there. Isn't that good? Limited information. He instructed him in a field where Simon had experience, success, and expertise. Don't lose the fact that Simon was a fisherman. Do you think it's kind of tongue-in-cheek that when Jesus is trying to drive this lesson home, he's taking the area where Simon thinks he knows a little bit about something? You'll hear people say, well, you know, I wasn't born yesterday. I know about life. I'm 40, I'm 35. I know the deal. I've been around. I was born at night, but not last night. You don't know nothing. You and I, you and I, first of all, our heart is deceitfully wicked. We don't even know it. And we see through a glass darkly. And our rest comes from when we accept the fact that God exercises perfect control. And like Ben said this morning, he's working all things, all things, everything, every detail, every encounter, every relationship, every setback, every disappointment, every disillusionment, every everything to get us to the right space, to the right spot on the sea where his intentions swim right up to our feet at the land because he's in perfect control. He instructed Simon in a way that was counterintuitive. Hey, Simon, use a pole with a hook. All right, those of you that are fishermen, you know, we love, we got our bass boats and depth finders and longitudes and latitudes. They had wooden boats fit usually two guys and a net. Some of them were four, enough for four men. Don't you know Simon's thinking, Lord, the Sea of Galilee, 166 kilometers. If I used a net, here we go, watch. This is so good. It'll increase my odds. You're missing the whole point of this lesson. <laughs> you could throw a net until you're 142. I knew about the fish with the coin in its mouth. See, you're thinking if I catch enough fish, then my odds will go up that you'll find the fish with the corn in his mouth. You see, we're always trying to reason with God instead of living a life of childlike faith that says, I believe that you are able, you're watching, you're perfect, you have perfect knowledge and you exercise perfect control in my life. How are you supposed to find the one you're supposed to marry? Seven billion people in the world. How are you supposed to find them? You're supposed to believe that God could cause that person to swim into your life and do something in you where you'll just know because God has perfect control. And I'm not speaking primarily this morning on those being single, getting married, but I just thought I'd throw a couple things out there to you that weren't part of my sermon, but I thought would be encouraging to you. For those of you looking for a mate, someone to share your life with, it's not what you're fishing with but for whose glory you are fishing that makes all the difference in the world. Did anybody else notice there was no mention of bait? What does your Bible say? Throw out a what? Now, I don't believe I'm doing injustice to the word of God. I think if he meant put some bait on there, put some nightcrawlers on there, or some shiner minnows or something, he just said bait. he just said throw a hook out. Well, why would he do that? The fish has already shown you it like shiny stuff. Do you get it? It's just a coin. Somebody drops a coin. It, bloop, bloop. Nope, just, and it didn't swallow it. Just holds it in his mouth. God said, just hold it there till I I'll get back with you. How much control is exercised here? How much foreknowledge is it? There's a fish that was created in this lake. When the lake started, the great, 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 grandson of that first fish. They always eat shiny stuff. So if you'll just throw something reflective in the water, Simon, I'll make sure that that fish sees it. And he already has the coin. And it'll pay your tax. See, trying to find a spouse, trying to find a house trying to find how God's going to do something. All that melts away in the word trust. And faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And you have to decide if you believe that God has perfect knowledge and that God has perfect control. Jesus instructed Simon in an uncommon path, in a difficult path. Simon was fishing for a fish that God had touched and that was being used for his purposes. Final thing on spouse fishing. Don't settle for anyone that God's not touched and is already being used for God's purposes. His instruction left Simon feeling foolish, looking vulnerable, yet accessible to the miraculous. Miracles are found on the other side of the door of vulnerability. If you're taking notes, write that down. Miracles are found on the other side of the door of vulnerability. A man named Jimmy Smith was a student at Houston Baptist University and wanted to be a missionary to Guatemala. He had approached a deacon in the church named Gene Alexander and said, I want you to consider uh, supporting me. And it doesn't seem like Gene was a very spiritual person because he made this comment, but this, I'll repeat the story as, it, as I read it. He said, well, I'm going to be in a fishing tournament here coming up next week. And they have released a tagged fish in the lake. And they said, whoever catches the tagged fish will be given $20,000. And if I catch it, I'll give you five. Cheap, rascal. God's going to grant you a miracle and you're going to give somebody one-fourth of what it is. Anyway, this story ain't about Gene. This is a story about Jimmy and his wife. His wife... Heard the story, and instead of focusing on the carnality of the deacon, she went to her prayer journal and said, God, show him, show him. On the day of the tournament, it's a documented story. First cast from that carnal deacon pulled up the tagged fish. First cast. So, any of you guys ever been in a fishing tournament and all the boats go out, the bass boats in different directions? Where do you stop? God said it don't matter. They tell us, they had some smarter people than I calculate the odds. They did length by width, uh, by estimated amount of fish, by how many casts it would take. They said the odds were one in 6.8 billion that he would catch that fish on the first cast. And I got up this morning to tell you that what is one, what is one in 6.8 billion? The odds are one in one if it's the will of God for your life. Stop calculating odds. Why do we think God wants us to be math majors in spiritual things? He wants you to be a child. Not childish, childlike that says, my father can whip your father. My father doesn't fail. My daddy's the best. We look to our earthly fathers who are good and moral We believe they would do anything for us based on their limitations. And our father has no limitations. He has perfect knowledge and perfect control. One of my favorite verses is Proverbs 21.1. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. And just like the river, he turns it whithersoever he wants to. You don't even realize it yet, but God has already spoken over your situation. And some of you have the answer to your petition swimming your direction already. Number three, don't let the odds intimidate you because God has a perfect schedule. He runs a perfect schedule. Just as we cannot understand how God's sovereignty works, we often miscalculate his timing. But know this, God not only has a plan, God has a schedule. Write that down. God has a schedule. And he's not late He's not uh, not concerned. Everything works according to plan. Can I give you just a couple of verses in the Bible that back this up? When Simon Peter told Jesus he would never deny him, he said, "Tomorrow before the rooster crows three times, or before the rooster crows, you'll have denied me three times." And on cue, after the third denial, a rooster crowed. What timeout? How how do you know? What Simon's going to do? I can understand how you could know what's in his heart, kind of, because you might can read the personalities of people. But how will you know that he'll deny you three times? How do you know it will be tomorrow? And how do you know there'll be a rooster in the neighborhood that crows at that time? And the answer would be, because my father has a schedule. And I just looked at the daytime. Yeah, it's going to happen before the rooster crows. You'll deny me three times. When Jonah was thrown overboard, there just so happened to be a whale right beside the boat. And, oh, I want to answer the question for those of you that might not be believers. And I don't mean it sarcastically, but you have friends that mock those of faith and, you know, said, oh, that's just a fairy tale. You believe that? Absolutely, I believe it. Absolutely. Why? You ready for a profound answer? Because God said it. I'm. I'm. If God's word is not true, then I'm the biggest fool that's ever lived on the face of the earth. I like my odds. So they get ready. One, two, three. And they throw Jonah overboard and before he could drown, this fish swallows him. Had to be big enough to house him for three days. So the fish is coming up for air. Parking at the top, Jonah's getting air in for three days. Why? Do you remember when Jesus... In the New Testament, he said, "As Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days, so will the Son of Man be in the belly of the earth." You remember? Oh, it's on schedule. Jonah had to go in when he went in, and he had to come out when he came out because nothing just happens. It was all tied to Jesus' redemption story, and Jesus went back a couple thousand years and brought it to the future and said, "This is all scheduled." Abraham lifting a knife to kill his son at the command of God. And right before he drove the knife into his son's heart, he looked and there was a ram caught in a thicket. So he and his boy are walking up the mountain on one side and the ram's walking up the mountain on the other side. And at just the right time, he gets caught. And God didn't want Abraham to kill his son. He just wanted to see that he was more important to them than anything else. These things, these coincidences... (laughs) if you will, which aren't coincidences, happen in our life for God to prove himself to us. He's trying to speak pork chop to us with flashcards. Do you see there's the odds are too great. And when I come through, even if you can't articulate it, just know that it's me and know that I'm in perfect control. Know that I have perfect knowledge and I'm running on a perfect schedule with you. These kind of things happen because God is in the design of these things, the implantation of these things, the details of these things, and the culmination of these things that he's purposed in your life. He runs a perfect schedule because he set the schedule based on perfect knowledge. He runs a perfect schedule of your life because of how valuable you are to him. He runs a perfect schedule because he never grows weary and his faithfulness will allow him to do nothing less He runs a perfect schedule because he oversees the affairs of his children personally. We often think that God is off schedule because of our strong desires, our unwillingness to wait, and our assessment of our situation made upon all the variables that we think are complete information. But God makes the decisions about our schedule based on perfect knowledge being exercised through perfect control. One day, I've, I've done it over the years past, but I want to tell you the full story of how we got this building. But I want to give you this one part out of this. This building came for sale seven, eight years ago and they wanted, I think it was eight and a half million dollars and we had $200,000. You're like, yeah, yeah. We, we don't have a sufficient down payment. Let's put it that way. And the Lord graced us with someone to buy our land for $600,000 more than we paid for it. He graced us through someone's generosity that gave us $5 million. We've never had a capital fund drive here. And it happened not because John's a good person or you're a good, good person. The odds of us getting the building were so far crazy That if I calculated them, it would have overwhelmed me and sent me into some type of manipulation or depression. But I was in this room right here looking up in that corner where the sound booth is now. And I remember asking the Lord, are you giving me this building? Because if it's your will, then the odds are one and one. Well, we still had to sell our church. So we're in negotiations. No one had offered $5 million yet. No one had offered to buy our land yet. And we'd have to sell our church. Beth calls me from... Uh, Beth White, who was an associate with me for 10 years. Oh, I miss her and Dave so much. But they're doing wonderful. And Galax doing a wonderful, wonderful job. She calls me. She said, you got a minute? So I'm on the beach. I said, sure. Got a minute. Got a lot of minutes. I'm on the beach. I'm doing good. Moan of silence for the beach, please. Was, oh, thank you, Lord. Whew. Beachside Assembly of God it has a nice ring to it. We just... Y'all want to go help me plant one on the beach? (laughs) She said, I think I sold the church. Can I do that? I said, what? A man just walked in off the street, about 75 years old, in overalls and a shirt and a tie under his overalls. Rang the doorbell where the second Baptist building was and he said, hi. I forgot his name. He goes, is your church for sale? Beth said, "Mm mm-hmm. How much? And I had pulled a figure out of my head. I mean, I'm very familiar with real estate. I've bought and sold real estate most of my life. But I remember years ago, do you remember when the old Mabel White sold? I believe it was like a million dollars or something like that. And I'm like, hmm, if they can get a million, I can get a million too. So I told Beth, I said, call him back. Tell him a million too. No appraisal. No comparable sales pulled up for my real estate agents. Just she called him up and the guy said, uh, can I bring people by this evening? So same day, he brings by like 40 people that toured the church. And they said, uh, tell your pastor we'll take it. So the peace started to come together. I'll show you. And so then the, 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 uh, the five million came, the purchase of the land came. And then of all things, they were Seventh-day Adventists. And it worked out that while we were getting this thing worked together because there was nothing in place. Three or four months. Oh, you can just worship on Sunday. We're not using the building. I'm like, duh. <laughs> and you look back and you realize he had to walk in on the overalls on that day because I needed to know that day about that so I could talk to this person. And when it all come together, and one of the final kickers was we were negotiating our loan at uh, a major bank here. I won't tell you who it was. And, uh, I told him, I said, uh, can I talk to you off to the side? And I said, this is a slam dunk loan. We're borrowing 14 cent on the dollar. Um, I don't want to pay for this loan. And the vice president of the bank said, excuse me. I said, between you and I, I know that you're just going to send it to, uh, a secretary somewhere and they're going to type up the loan documents and it's going to cost us 60 to hundred thousand dollars. And this is just a God thing. And I just don't want to waste his money. I said, you're going to pay her $12 an hour and I'm going to give you a hundred thousand dollars. I- I just, I'm borrowing 14 cent on the dollar. And if I default on this loan, you make $8.6 million. So I just don't want to pay for this loan. So fast forward, last detail. We're at closing. This long lawyer table. The table's worth 10 grand. I mean, it's just archaic wood, all carved mahogany. And I'm sitting there, you know, and we, we're closing out. Uh, and there you know how they do on the first page. Let's go ahead and go to the last page, the final closing statement, so-and-so-and-so, money's from the seller, uh, so-and-so, origination fee, zero, zero. And she, <laughs> he said, I mean, she, the lawyer said, uh, origination fee should have been, you know, $60,000, whatever, they'll cap it at a certain amount. And turned to the banker and said, uh, origination fee, zero. Zero And the banker goes, And I am cheesing. So he looked at the banker. The banker goes like this and I'm going. It's my building. It's my building. It just comes together. And what I'm telling you is, hey, my life has had all the hiccups yours had. Difficulties, strains and all of this. But when you believe in a God of perfect structure a perfect schedule a perfect control you navigate those places with an oil of a a lubricant of the holy spirit that you don't die in what other people die in you don't melt down because the lord orders the steps of righteous people he's ordering yours and what god has for you is for you perfect schedule that man had to come in and knock on the door at just the right time and offer us that. He had to. God had, and I'm not making light of him, moved that little fish and said, Go to Sportstown. He's in control. Finally, because God provides perfect supply. Perfect supply. He supplied the coin that was equal to temple tax for two men. God is a God of abundance but he does not promise abundance in all of our ventures. It was just enough. He didn't create the coin. Notice what God didn't do. He didn't provide a mouthful of coins, just one. He didn't create the coin and hand it to him. That would have if Jesus would have, made, here's the coin. See that's counterfeiting. So God wouldn't do anything improper. Don't let any Christian tell you that God will do improper things for a good cause. He didn't create a coin. He didn't provide this miracle independent of Peter. He didn't provide this miracle in a way that could be observed. I don't know who this is for. And I've never thought of this till this week preparing for this message. But it's for you. That fish was moving underwater out of sight. And God's moving things around in your life out of sight. But it's happening nonetheless. Ben, if you'd come for me. He didn't provide this this miracle in a way that had ever been seen before. He didn't provide this miracle in the setting of a large crowd. It was for Peter's eyes only. Listen to this. Public miracles teach us. I want you to write this down if you have a pen. Public miracles teach us. Private miracles change us. Public miracles teach us. Private miracles change you. God didn't provide this miracle to remove Simon's name from the list of those who haven't paid temple tax, but he wanted to add Simon's name to those who knew who Christ really was. God provided because Simon went where God told him to go. God provided because Simon did what God told him to do. Simon did it the way God told him to do it. God provided because that's who he is. So how did the coin get there? Was it dropped from a dock? Did it make it to the bottom? Or did the fish catch it in the, as it went through the water? How long did the fish have it in its mouth? Why didn't the fish swallow it? How did the fish know where to be? How did the fish know when to be there? How did the fish, why did the fish grab that hook with no bait on it at that time? Why, how, why, how, 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 why, why, how? It doesn't make sense. I, I, I don't know. And the vast majority of things in your life where it comes to God working stuff out, you never do. You know what peace there is in that? I don't get you, God, but you get me. And so I'm going to stop trying to hold on to you, and I'm going to let you hold on to me. I believe that you could bring the thing to me any time you want to. Perfect knowledge. Perfect control. Perfect schedule. Perfect supply my final thoughts so here's Simon he's got his pole we don't know which area he chose or why maybe he took the whole day and just walked and prayed about where to throw it in I don't know and they didn't have an Abu Garcia with ball bearings in it you understand it was more wrapping around your hand or wrapping around the stick you know Pulls it up on the shore. What would you do? If I open the fish's mouth and there's no coin, then I have a problem. But if I open the fish's mouth and there is a coin, I have a bigger problem. (laughs) So he pulls the fish out. My Lord... And my God, I am walking with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I'm not a great fisherman, but I know if you've got a fish big enough to put your fist in, you've got supper too. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. you got the coin and the fish more than likely. He just let him go because when God shows you his glory... It's never about that anymore. What did it look like when he went home? Jesus said, come on in, Simon. And why did he call him Simon and not Peter? Because when he was talking to Simon about things of the flesh, he used Simon. And when, when Simon was living spiritual, he talked to him in his new name, Peter. He goes, Simon, what did what, 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 you do? He goes, uh, I went down like you asked. And uh, how did it turn out? Just like you said, Christ Later in Simon's life, very last thing I tell you, he wrote these words. Cast all your care on him, for he cares for you. I don't know who I'm preaching to this morning, but God had a word for you. Don't let the odds intimidate you. It's one in one. Would you bow your heads with me? With no one looking around, if this word was catered for you, I want you just to come and find a place and stand in the front. Just come on, right where you are. Come on. Oh, Lord, I heard you today. I heard you today. I heard you today. I heard you. Pastor, why do you ask us to do that? It makes you vulnerable. There's response, there's just response. Glory to the Lord. Glory to the Lord. The rest of you in the sanctuary, would you stand with us? They're going to be praying and worshiping, and Ben and our team's going to lead us in a song and this is going how we're going to close out.
1: I feel by the side of the road. Hear you speak, I won't let go. I fall to my knees as I lift my voice to pray. God, every reason to be here again. Father's love that draws me in. And all my eyes wanna see is a glimpse of you. And all I need is you. All I need is you, Lord, is you, Lord, all I need is you.
2: Father, as we, uh, as we close out our service today, God, I'm just reminded of the times of my life where despite impossible odds, God, you have always come through. Father, for the people today, I just ask, God, you would continue to encourage them, Father, the, the things that you're speaking to them now. God, I pray you would continue to seal in their hearts as we leave today and as as we go to our lunches and our lives, Father, God, I just ask right now that you would continue, Father, to, to reveal yourself, God, the, the thing that we're hoping and praying for. God, that's not the thing. It's you. And so I ask today, Father, that as we leave, God, don't let us leave here and forget what you've said to us, God. I'm reminded that when you spoke to Mary about Jesus Christ, it, your word says that she hid and contemplated those things deep in her heart. And I pray, God, that we would do the same. Give us safe travels, God, as we, uh, as we leave. And God, let us come back tonight and next week, God, and expect it about what you're going to do in our lives. In your name, amen. amen.
0: Don't forget tonight at 5 o'clock. God bless you. Have a wonderful Lord's Day.